This is Radio Influence. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of City Ringside. My name is David Penzer. We are so happy to have you back once again to listen to this thing we call a podcast. Uh, what a challenging couple of weeks, I'm not going to lie. Uh, been a lot of fun. WrestleMania weekend, as we've talked about uh, earlier, was a ton of fun. Uh, got to go to Detroit for the Legends of Wrestling and uh, see a bunch of old friends and that was great as well and uh, good times as you could see I put some pictures on Twitter if you don't follow me on Twitter it's at David Penzer all one word D-A-V-I-D-P-E-N-Z-E-R or you can follow the show at Penzer Ringside um, so I come back from Detroit and my chest is bowed out about as big as a five foot six fat guy could bow his chest out and uh why is my chest bowed out, you ask? Because between Wrestle, uh, WrestleMania weekend and the Legends of Wrestling weekend, I had like 15, 17 major players that had agreed to do my podcast at one point or the other. Some people, like Mick Foley said, uh, let me wait till I'm plugging uh, my comedy tour next uh later this year so he's not jumping on tomorrow but a chance to have Mick Foley on uh, no matter when it is uh, is, is it an awesome opportunity for sure best-selling author one of the greatest uh, most interesting guys in the history of the business why wouldn't you want to have him your podcast so uh, got a lot of great names uh, a lot of women that I've really been after for a long time and uh, a couple of them I'll mention Gail Kim and Velvet Sky have committed to jumping on here and so Hacksaw Jim Duggan has committed uh, don't want to name everybody just in case it doesn't happen because as we all know uh, people's schedules are crazy and life gets in the way hence this week uh, where I announced oh not only was I bowed up about all of that by the way but I was bowed up because I had Road Warrior Animal agree to do this podcast this week so uh, what a way to kick off sort of like a uh, a whole bunch of new guests Then with talking about the Road Warriors And Paul Ellering and, and their career And uh, we hope to have uh, Animal on next week uh, The first time we were supposed to get together In all honesty, I blew it And my producer, executive producer Boss, Jerry P. Tuck Is still mad at me for it Because he drove 55 miles And I realized You ever sit there like on the couch And you're like watching TV You're like reading a book Or or reading the internet I guess is what most people don't read books anymore I never read books anyway uh, Just sounded right But um, sounded good So you ever reading Like watching Looking on the internet And all of a sudden Something hits you Like that you hadn't thought of It was about a, a half an hour Before I thought We were supposed to call Road Warrior Animal and he was very specific about the times that he could do the podcast because he was watching his grandkids and he had uh, plans for dinner. So some sometime in between uh, uh, the afternoon and dinner. And it dawned on me at the last minute that he's central time. It's like one of those things just popped into my head. Holy crap, he's central time. And I booked him like I thought he was Eastern time. 
So we, he agreed to do it the next day, and something uh, came up uh, with his family. Uh, everything seems to be fine, but uh, he, he had to jump away. And, and look, these guys and girls are doing this as a favor to me. Um, there's no compensation involved unless you know I see him down the road and might buy him a drink. And that's not really compensation in this business. So uh, most of the people are doing it as a favor to me uh, because we're friends or, uh, or, or we drove down the road together. So Rick Steiner another one by the way speaking of driving down the road together that i'm excited to try to get on the podcast i don't know if he's ever done a podcast before but he did tell me that if i thought that his brother was ever going to come on my podcast i was out of my mind because his brother doesn't even respond to his text messages so i might have to uh just settle for it and that wouldn't be settling for rick steiner it might be even better because rick was always the fun one that liked to goof around and do all the ribs and uh god i could tell you about driving down the road um with Pee-wee, and we couldn't remember who else was in the car. It was me, Pee-wee, Bobby, Eaton, uh, somebody else. Maybe we were going to Charlotte uh, for matches that night. I don't remember where we were coming from. And it was... um, Bagwell and Steiners in their car. And for some reason, I have no idea why... we just started throwing eggs at each other's cars down the highway going 65 miles an hour and all of a sudden an egg fight started and so I guess the Steiner started it and we had to pull it over we had to pull the car over and get eggs because why not because when the Steiners throw eggs at your car you go buy eggs and you 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 throw eggs at their car because why not so that's what we did and it was uh, it was uh, interesting uh, 60 minutes drive to Charlotte of which case I was then told since I was a junior member of the group I had to go get the car washed because uh, if you let eggs fester on your car in the sun uh, they scramble and they're hard to get off and they remove the paint so because why wouldn't I know that because I get in egg fights with wrestlers uh, as we're driving down highways at 65 70 miles per hour every day of my life so uh, that was just one story we were laughing about. So hoping to get Rick Steiner on. But um, so like I said, these guys are doing me a favor and girls are doing me a favor. And I appreciate it. It just didn't work out this week. So I thought to myself, who could I get on less than 24 hours notice on a Friday afternoon who's available? Because most guys on Friday afternoon, if they have a shoot job, they're working. If they're still in the wrestling business, they're traveling to an indie show for the most part. So I've, I've searched my Rolodex and searched my phone. Who could I get that I could count on to, to come on as a guest with a good signal, with a good phone signal uh, that I know uh, would be able to pick up the phone at 2 o'clock on a Friday afternoon with short notice, with no notice. And I thought about this guy that is fresh off Talk is Jericho, a lot of positive feedback off of, uh, off of that podcast. And so I thought, let's interview him. So here I am. I am interviewing myself, ladies and gentlemen, for the, something that I would have, if you would have told me what I would have done two weeks ago, I would have bet you the house that that would have never happened. But I did, and thank you to my internet friends uh, on Twitter. I did send out something late last night saying, hey, if you ever wanted to ask me anything, I think I'm going to have to interview myself. Um, so uh, so let's go through some questions now. So I want to, uh, by the way, we need, we need uh, Jerry, we need uh, the music for this, uh, transition music for this. 
Let me introduce, ladies and gentlemen, at, at this time, my guest this week, former WCW ring announcer, host of City Ringside with David Penzer, the one and only David Penzer. Hey, David, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Okay. So let's get to the questions. Uh, okay. Jet 7111. And I enjoy talking to Jet uh, at Jet 7111. Okay. I know how you got in the business. Let's hear some more about you on the booking committee in the later WCW years. Uh, for most of my career, uh, especially when I started out, I was a stooge. I ran around. I got uh, guys to sign things. I ran guys for interviews. Uh, got guys to. We talked about that gray box uh, where we did the uh, market specific interviews, and um, and uh, you know, just that was uh, you know, always wanted to ingratiate myself and and, and try to be a team player. So, uh, and the booking committee is no different. Sorry, my guest had to take a drink of water. Booking committee is no different. Um, uh, it was towards the end. I, I had sort of gotten in with John Laurinaitis, who was going to be Eric Bischoff's right-hand man if Eric bought WCW. And I was sort of John Laurinaitis's right-hand man. So uh, I asked if I could sit in the booking committees because it was just something I always wanted to do. I was a junior member. I just basically took notes. Uh, after a few weeks, uh, I... After a few weeks, I bless you, Jerry. Thank you. After a few weeks, I, uh, you know, would 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 summon up the courage, maybe to say, "Oh, that's a great idea," or you know, or or maybe do this. Uh, it helped that Disco Inferno, Glenn Gilberti, was 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 on the booking committee because he said we and we've talked about this before, the Invisible Man and building and all that stupid stuff that he came up with. So it kind of like anything after that, anything I said kind of like was a relief. Uh, so that always helped. But um, as we know, and as we've talked about, the one idea I was allowed to pitch that did happen was the triple threat, triple ladder match that opened the final Starcade ever in WCW history with uh, the Young Dragons, uh, the three count, and I believe it was... Um, the, whoever the two that had left, one had left three count, one had left the Young Dragons. I, uh, they escapes me right now. But um, I was able to uh, book that match. Obviously, I didn't book the finish. Um, that wasn't my place. But uh, I, it was. It stole the show, and so something I could wear a, pr- a badge of honor. Um, if if Bischoff had bought the company and um, and I was John Laurinaitis's right hand man, uh, one of the things that I was going to be doing uh, in addition to to the booking committee was also a lot of research. I was starting to do a lot of research versus how every segment went and follow the pattern of the segments of how how they drew because you know so we're telling stories so we might tell one story in two weeks earlier in the third segment of the first hour. And then uh, the next week we might continue that storyline, but it might be in the eighth segment in the second hour. And then, um, uh, you know, the next week it might be in the first segment of the first hour. So you continue to tell stories, but you put it in different places. So my job was to go and to see, to follow those um and I had started doing it right at the very end to follow those the, those ratings and see if which segments were con- being consistent in different places and which segments weren't. 
So, hope that answers your question. Uh... Steven Spradlin, favorite career moment that started with, ladies and gentlemen, your winner and new WCW slash TNA heavyweight champion of the world. Um, I, I wasn't sure if I got to announce this one, so I, uh, this morning I, I looked at the match, and I, I indeed did. I thought I did, but I don't know why Buffer wouldn't have announced the winner, but um, he might have gone to the bar already. But uh, Georgia Dome, uh, Goldberg beating Hogan, uh, was. I know it sounds like an easy answer. Uh, it was just uh, electricity that I had never really, really, really seen. And sometimes you see electricity, with 10,000 people and sometimes you see a pop with 35, 40,000 people. Very little, very rarely if at all other than that night and I'm sure you do at WrestleMania now but very rarely if at all other than that night did I, did I see both. This was something that the crowd was desperate for. It was booked perfectly and they reacted. Um, it was just, uh, it was in our hometown so my family was there, my wife and my kids and uh, it was just, uh, it was a perfect night, perfect match and so that was my career moment that started with, ladies and gentlemen, your winner and new WCW heavyweight champion Goldberg. And I originally thought this question said uh, favorite career moment that never started with, ladies and gentlemen, your winner and new WCW slash TNA heavyweight champion. And I have an answer for that, too. I would have loved to introduce Rey Mysterio as the WCW heavyweight champion. Big fan of Rey Mysterio. I remember when they said he was coming, and this is no disrespect to Rey or any of the luchadors. I remember when they said he was coming in, and the first time, I'm 5'6", and the first time I saw him, he's very thin, uh, had a face, about, you know, you, you saw a mask, but as you later saw when they unmasked him briefly, had a, a face that looked like he was 12, and was, uh, came up to my, uh, to my shoulders. And, but I had heard such great things about him, so I said, uh, this guy must be really, really darn good to uh, be able to overcome that in a business that, you know, now is, is pretty commonplace. Back then, it really wasn't. It was a big man's business. It might not have been the big man's business that it was in the 80s, but it was a big man's business still. And, you know, the cruiserweights had their own little uh, division, but still they weren't that small. And he came out and he wrestled his first match. And I was at ringside watching, of course, sitting at ringside because I announced it. And I was blown away. I was blown away. The guy has uh, has and had amazing talent, incredible charisma uh, that totally overcame any uh, negatives or, uh, or or anything that 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 life gave him as far as a small stature or baby face. And uh, I really would have wished that WCW would have uh, gone ahead and done that. Who knows? If the company would have last, they might have gone ahead and, and put the title on Rey Mysterio. I'm thinking better chance than not uh, if the company continued, but it didn't. And I was so glad that Rey uh, got to uh, to his, his run with the belt and well-deserved. And uh, that is, if I had one moment that could have started with that and never happened, it would have been announcing Ray Mysterio as the WCW heavyweight champion. But God bless Ray. Great career and a great guy. Jet, another Jet question from Jet711. Favorite Sting match, same at favorite flare match, separately, not against each other. Uh, I think I've talked about this before. My favorite Sting match is probably uh, War Games in Jacksonville. Uh, I believe it's uh, 94, 95. Uh, it was Sting Squadron against uh, the Dangerous Alliance. Still to this day, probably the greatest match I ever saw live. 
Sting was a big part of that. It's definitely the greatest um, War Games match I've ever seen. And uh, favorite flair match? I was thinking about this. I'd have to go with Terry Funk in the I Quit match, and that was when I was at home watching as a fan. Uh, so if you ask me my favorite flair match in person, I don't know. There's so many good ones. But uh, favorite flair match as, uh, as, uh, in total, I think, uh, you know, you could, you could bring the Steamboat matches up there for sure. Uh, but um, favorite, fair, favorite flair match. Try saying that three times quick. Uh, I think that Terry Funk I Quit match uh, was fantastic. Plus, I'm a huge fan of Terry Funk. So uh, that was uh, uh, awesome to see as well. By the way, uh, shout out to Terry Funk. I know he recently lost his his, his wife, Vicky. And um, so love you. Thank you so much for being on this podcast uh, and for being a good friend. And uh, I hope that you are doing as well as possible. I wanted to throw that in. Derek at It's Derek's Time wrote, what event in history do you wish you could have been ring announcer for? Anything, WrestleMania. Everybody that knows me knows that the one regret other than maybe Madison Square Garden that I have is uh, never did a WrestleMania. Uh, So that is my event I wish I could have been ring announcer for. Uh, Sadly, it's not sadly. It's just not going to happen. So, but uh, here's one. And I don't even know how to say this. Super Street Gonzalo Chacon Alipaz 2 Turbo. That's his name on Twitter. Asked any interesting stories about Scott Steiner. I was actually just telling my kids an interesting story about Scott Steiner. I was reminded by it uh, when um, I was on the plane uh, coming back from Detroit this, uh, this past Sunday. And... Uh, almost got me fired, actually. We were in, I believe, Denver, but it was somewhere out on the West Coast doing a Nitro, or maybe a, possibly a Thunder. And we had a uh, late-night flight, a red-eye, out of wherever it was. And everybody, uh, because of the time difference, the show was over early. Everybody got to the airport early. And basically, and when I say everybody, it was the enti- basically the entire crew, the wrestling crew and the entire production crew and a lot of us by then were all really good friends because there was always a party after nitro and after thunder and in the hotel uh lobby or the the hotel bar wherever everybody was so but um yeah we uh we all started drinking at the hotel bars and there's something about this that i had a feeling because you you know put a whole group of people, let them drink for two hours and then put them on a plane. That's not a charter plane, especially. Now, it was about 80% WCW people. It was back to Atlanta and about 20% non-WCW people. And to this day, I'm probably horrified for the non-WCW people. I ended up in first class, which I normally did because I traveled so much. Scott Steiner ended up in bulkhead in coach and was not happy about it. So Scott Steiner first asked me if I would trade seats with him. And I said, Scotty, I really don't want to. Uh, you know, I love you, but I really don't want to. You, you know, you fly first class way more than I do probably over your career. Uh, uh, it's a night flight uh, with an overnight. We've got to get some sleep. And I really don't want to fly. And he goes, okay, the only way you could survive this and live on the other side is you need to roll me down because if you if you ever been on a plane obviously first class a lot of times you go it's to the left and then there's a little like uh, middle section where they uh, put put drinks together and stuff and then there's coach and scotty was in the bulkhead so 
my, uh, my instructions were to, and I was in the back of first class, were to roll him three airplane alcohol bottles, the little bottles of, air, of alcohol, airplane bottles, so that he could drink and fall asleep. So I did that because when Scott Steiner told you to do something, you did it, especially if he was not in a good mood. And there's a whole bunch of stuff on a plane uh, that happened on that plane flight. Uh, somebody said something about a, a stink bomb. I don't recall that, but it's a possibility. Anyway, some passengers complained. Uh, some Delta reps went to Janie Ingle, who was in charge of travel at the time. And basically the one thing that they could remember and put a face to that happened was me uh, giving first class alcohol bottles to Scott Steiner. So they brought me in for this big interview, this big investigation. And hindsight being 2020, I almost got fired. Uh, basically, I think I was taking the fall for the whole freaking thing because the whole thing was a party in the air. And there was about 20% of that plane that wanted to sleep. And uh, I think I was going to have to take the uh, take, take it on that one. But uh, luckily, I guess, quote unquote, I only had to be uh, on suspension for non-paid suspension for, for, for one week. So uh, I've had forgotten I got suspended, but yes, one week of non-paid suspension. The, hist- the, the highlight of my time in WCW, not really. Uh, so another question by Super Street Gonzalo Chacon Alapaz 2 Turbo. Without You know, without the turbo, that all doesn't make sense. Uh, he wrote... Since you had to announce the rules for gimmick matches to the crowd, what was the weirdest stipulation that ever made you announce? Some of the stipulation matches in TNA were so weird, dumb. Wonder if it's one specific one that made you say WTF. Uh, it's hard to pick between Judy Bagwell on a pole and Viagra on a pole. I, I think I'm going to go with Viagra on a pole just because there's something about Judy Bagwell on a pole that's just a little charming in a strange, ridiculous, uh, dumb way. Uh, Viagra on a pole match included uh, Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan should have never had to wrestle in a Viagra on a pole match. Um, you know, as far as TNA went, they had some out there stuff too. But by that time, I was so I was just so used to all this craziness. I was used to the, you know, Vince. And I don't want to start with a fight with Vince Russo. He's a good guy. Nothing against him personally. Um, but I'm just not a big fan of a lot of the stuff that he booked, a lot of the crazy matches, pole matches and, uh, you know, different stuff like that so i kind of cringed on that uh i think having to announce not only a viagra on a pole match i don't even remember why i think it had something to do with tory wilson but i don't even remember why to this day viagra had anything to do with the 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 match but uh especially that hulk was involved is pretty cringeworthy i still think it is and if i never see a gimmick on a pole match i We'll be very happy. Trevor asked me if you were in charge, what would you have done differently that would have kept WCW alive today? You know, it's been a fun uh, catharsis between uh, some books that have recently been written and some panels that I've hosted at the last StarCast and some discussions that I've had off the record with Kevin Sullivan and uh, Eric Bischoff and some other people. Plus, we had Eric on the show. Uh, I'm pretty sure that there is nothing that could have been done that would have kept WCW alive. Uh, if you look back, it was just, it, we, it was dead and we didn't even know it. 
I was talking to Dave Ar- David Arquette this uh, past weekend at the Legends of Wrestling show. If you remember, he was on this podcast about a year ago, and I couldn't get over the fact that he really thought that he had killed WCW when they put the world title on him. And I really tried to convince him that uh, <laughs> that wasn't the case, that there was a lot that went into WCW surmise. And while probably him winning the world title wasn't the highlight of the, the, the world, uh, it was a publicity stunt. At least we got the publicity we wanted for it, and then they took it right off him. There was a lot of other dumb things that we did uh, that were done that... Uh, that would have added to uh, the downfall of WCW. So we were talking this weekend and I, I said, did you finally after a year, now you've been around the wrestling business, you've been doing a lot of other podcasts, been in a lot of shows. Do you finally realize, David, that you winning the WCW title did not kill WCW? And he goes, yeah, I finally realized that. And I said, thank God. I said, because, you know, I said, I said to him, I said, the more I get to know about what happened at the end, the more I believe that when you won the WCW world title, the company was already dead and we just didn't know it yet. So it was a, a massive combination of uh, egos, uh, standards and practices trying to run us off with ridiculous changes at the last second and Time Warner, uh, merging with Turner, Turner losing his power and Time Warner not having any interest in having professional wrestling and so sold the tapes for next to nothing to Vince McMahon. So I think it was a fait complete, and I don't think there's anything I could have done. Viral S asks, do you have a favorite Chicago memory? Um, you know, every time that we played Chicago at the United Center, that was a big deal. Uh, that was back when the Chicago Bulls were off their run as a dynasty in NBA. And I'm not a big basketball fan, but I was a little bit more back then. And that run that the Bulls had uh, was a fun run uh, for obvious reasons. And Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman. I'm not a real basketball guy. Jerry, am I right with those names? Oh, I actually remember that correctly. Wow. I'm impressed. Um, So back then, the United Center was a big deal. It was a brand new building in downtown Chicago. Uh, WWE couldn't get into it. It was sort of the Madison Square Garden reverse. Uh, We had the exclusive because of um, a lot of things, including Ric Flair's friendship with the family that owned the building and owned uh, the Bulls. So... uh, uh, the General was his name. And I had some fun with The General after those uh, Chicago. I think my favorite Chicago memory is not being able to remember uh, the party and partying with The General and Ric Flair. Uh, but I can remember one time I was getting... Um, I, was getting I had a six o'clock flight and I was getting off the elevator, hung over out of my mind. Uh, I don't remember why I know this. Uh, remember this because I don't remember a lot. But... Um, as I'm rolling out my bags to go get the, the shuttle, Ric Flair is just coming in for the day, for the night, for the morning. It was about 5 a.m., and he's holding court and down there at 5 in the morning, and there's a whole bunch of people that had gone out with him, you know, and saying goodbye and saying goodnight, and I just smiled and laughed and said, yep, it's Chicago, and that's Ric Flair. God bless him, but the, the, the Chicago is always something special, uh, and, and, and I always uh, was honored to be there. Chris Costner said, just tell us Ming stories. You know, unfortunately, um, the Ming that is so famous, 
for getting into bar fights and, and, and being just the toughest guy in the world. I miss that guy. That guy stopped partying and stopped going out and stopped uh, in, indulging uh, way before I got to meet him. So I just got to hear the Ming stories through the Ming stories. And hopefully if we're going to have guys like... Uh, like Rick Steiner on and Hacksaw Jim Duggan on and Mick Foley on and down the road once he's able to Arn Anderson on knock on wood uh, he could tell us some Ming stories because that's who I heard the Ming stories from guys like that so I will tell you though that uh, the toughest uh, he just he's just the toughest guy in the world uh and he he just is there's um god thank god he stopped drinking because i might not be alive uh if we were in the same bar drinking together because it's i uh had a strange tendency sometimes to annoy people that uh you know in in the state i was in so um i will tell you the funny thing about ming and barbarian and that 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 culture of of guys is they're the tough both both ming and barbarian are the toughest guys in the world uh everybody's afraid of them nobody wants nobody will mess with them uh nobody in the business nobody outside the business the only people that'll try to mess with them are drunk idiots in a bar trying to pick a fight so they could tell their friends they got in a fight with a wrestler and most of the time they ended up a lot worse off for the wear but in that culture and i hope i don't get stretched for this in that culture though i don't think i'm saying anything that that's that they wouldn't say themselves um their wives rule the, the, the household so they're not afraid of anything in the world. Being barbarian, people uh, uh, of Tongan descent. Uh, and I don't want to draw a huge uh, line in the sand and say everybody. I'm talking more of Ming and Barb because I know for sure. Uh, we're going to try to get Rikishi on, and I guess we could ask him uh, if he's the same way. Uh, he was, was going to be on this podcast down the road. But uh, their wives run the, the – so they run everything else in the world uh, because of their toughness, but their wives run the home, and they listen to what their wives tell them to do. So it's uh, funny. It's kind of ironic. Uh, Max Friedman. Max, long time no see. What did you think of the Dustin Rhodes 7 character debut when he cut that incredible promo ripping on the idea? Was that a work? I went back and watched it this morning, and – the ironic thing is it was a great angle that I didn't remember. I vaguely remembered it, but I didn't. It wasn't something that stood out like a great angle should stand out. Here he was fresh off of a run as gold dust, which was very controversial. Um, I mean, I could remember when I turned on back then we had v, 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 VHS machines. Yeah, VHS machines. And so I would tape Monday Night Raw when I was at Monday Night Show and I'd watch it. And um I remember when, because, you know, I knew him as Dustin, country guy, you know, uh, uh, cowboy, uh, and uh, that's just the way his pers- personality was. So when he came out that first time, so, you know, Dusty Rhodes' son, uh, before Cody was involved in wrestling, his only son. So there was a stigma about Dustin Rhodes uh, that was very manly and cowboyish, if I could say. And when I first saw him walk down the aisle with the gold dust stuff i this is before uh, the internet obviously i had no idea what had happened i called my wife who knew dustin a little bit in the room and i said lisa you're never going to believe what i'm about to show you and she was aghast she could not believe that this cowboy manly guy 
was doing that, especially the son of the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, was doing that gimmick. Um, I give Dusty credit, though. Uh, he made it work then, and he's made it work up until recently. Uh, recently leaving WWE uh, for a match against Cody at all, Double or Nothing. But the thing is, is that after doing that gimmick and stunning the world and having a good run with that gimmick, and he came back to WCW, and it should have been, if if he's going to go out and do a shoot promo like that, which was a hell of a promo, it should be something I remember. It should be like the horsemen getting back together. It should be like the NWO coming down the stairs, Scott Hall coming down the stairs, uh, mean scheme gene, you know, like he uh, was invading WCW. It should be something like that because it was potentially that good. And again, not to pick on anybody, um, but I guess when you do that once a year or once every year and a half, it, people remember it. When you do a, a variation off of the same work shoot gimmick every t- other week, people tend not to remember them, even when they're really good, because some of them aren't good. Uh, and so it's really a shame. I went back and watched that. It could have been great stuff. Um, he, you know, he brought up in the interview about getting revenge for his dad getting thrown to the, you know, thrown to the wolves in WCW and not being there anymore. And then eventually Dusty did come back, as we all know. God bless him. And um, I, I should have the feeling when I watch that is I should remember that as much as I remember the Horsemen and the NWO. And I just don't. And that's more of a to me. That's more of an indication of uh, the fact that they just put too much of that stuff on and uh, and uh, just watered everything that they did down. So that was fun interviewing myself. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, uh, telling some inside stories. Uh, busted for uh, uh, rolling uh, vodka bottles down on Delta to uh, Scott Steiner. And a um, little insight on uh, a few things, WCW and the end of WCW. Uh, I was supposed to move to California. I was going to be John Laurinaitis's assistant, as I said, uh, report directly to Eric Bischoff. Uh, I later found out we were going to, he was going to build a uh, arena in Las Vegas that we would tape Nitro every week or every other week in the same building. In hindsight, I'm not sure that how that would have gone. That works for a while. Although Vegas is such a, des- a tourist destination, unlike, although so is Orlando. And, and look how, you know, look how the crowds got uh, so uh, tired of anything that uh, TNA was doing just because they had seen everything. And uh, so one want to want to think that would have worked. And I know that the big deal was that... Uh, Scotty Steiner was going to blow through everybody, uh, and then Goldberg was going to come back and make a big uh, triumphant return and beat Steiner and uh, have a run with the belt. That for sure was going to happen. Uh, I remember in the booking meetings leading up to that, they were try. That's why they were trying to make Steiner basically look like a monster so that uh, eventually um, Goldberg would come back and he'd be the only one left that couldn't beat the monster because the monster would have beaten Diamond Dallas Page, would have beaten Kevin Nash, would have beaten Jeff Jarrett, would have beaten all the different... uh, Rick Steiner, uh, his brother, would have beaten all the names, Buff Bagwell, and 
and then Goldberg would have come back, and that was how that was being set up. Unfortunately, that never happened, um, but it's all good. Somebody asked me why I became a realtor. Who is that? Uh, Chris Starr. How did you get into real estate? I needed something to do, and I could sell anything. So when you could sell anything, you say, what, what do you think you could sell the best, cars or houses or encyclopedias? And encyclopedias, I don't – they still have encyclopedias, Jerry? No. Encyclopedia is called uh, Google. And uh, I know nothing about cars. I, I'm, I'd be lucky if somebody put a $1,000 bill in front of my face if I could change a flat tire. So I figured – I've owned homes. I like homes. I want a better home. I always want to live in a home. So I know a little bit about homes, so I'm going to sell homes. And knock on wood, it's been okay. Speaking of that, speaking of that, uh, coming up soon, we got a brand new sponsor uh, that we're going to tell you about that I'm really excited about. Um, so for those around North America, Canada, uh, and the United States that are looking to buy or sell their homes wherever they are, uh, we have a network that's going to be able to help you. And also, uh, it's going to be wrestling friendly and interactive. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So we will be announcing that in the next week or two. A brand new sponsor. Uh, and so if you're looking wherever you are around uh, North America to buy or sell real estate, uh, hang on for a little while. If you're a wrestling fan, we're about to bring you something that's never been done before that I think will be very cool. And on that note, I am going to bring in to get a quick uh, chat on how it went on WrestleMania weekend. Uh, I guess now we call him a frequent guest. Uh, but I did want to bring him on and get his uh, opinions of the Hall of Fame. And I did want to settle one uh, score that we had uh, disagreed about the last time he was on. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Stevie Ray. All right, fresh off the Hall of Fame, ladies and gentlemen, one half of Harlem Heat and a WWE Hall of Famer. You can never take that away from him. Uh, Stevie, it's great to have you on the phone. Just wanted to chat real quickly and uh, go over your uh, WrestleMania weekend. I, I, a lot of people talk to you before your induction. I don't know. Have you talked to any podcast after your induction? Uh, I can't remember, brother. It's been like huh? a whirlwind. I think actually, I haven't, man. Actually, I haven't. Other than the one I do with uh, my buddy A.V. A. Klein, we do a new podcast together called uh, uh, Wrestling with History. Oh, and I've pretty much been concentrating on that. There you go. So having never been uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame and never will be inducted in the Hall of Fame, and, and most, I would assume that the, the listeners that listen to this podcast will never be inducted into the Hall of Fame. I just wanted to see if we could get a quick first person, you know, first person account of what it's like to 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 have that weekend. Uh, so you fly in on, I'm assuming, on Thursday. Yeah. And I know what hotel yeah. I know what hotel you're at because I was there and I saw you there. Uh, any kind yeah. of any kind of uh, uh, special things waiting for you when you get there? Uh, a Hall of Fame T-shirt, uh, a bottle of champagne, chocolate covered strawberries, uh, kicking the ass. Yeah, anything? They, gave, they, gave, they gave me a bag of uh, some goodies in it, and uh, like a sweatshirt and T-shirt and. And some other little things in there, I can't remember. I ended up giving to giving it. I took the sweatshirt and I ended up giving the bag to uh, my friend that was there with me. And I can't remember what else was in it. And 
I mean, the whole Hall of Fame weekend was it was an honor within itself, but it was very, very, um, it was very, very draining because I had so much stuff to do, and uh, I was very, very busy. So it was, it was not as um, it was a little bit more than what I expected, actually. But you know, it was what it was, man. So you go there. How early did they have you come to the building on um, on Saturday? Pretty early, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty early, man, like 10 o'clock, something like that. Yeah, that's crazy, and you all just, you're back there the whole time. You got to be there. Uh, yeah, you got to be there all day. And, and, and how much interaction during the course of the day do you have with Vince? I think I've seen him a couple of times that day. And, I think I've seen him a couple of times. And, and that was it. did you guys write your own speeches, or did you have a writer assigned to you to, like, kind of overview over? Like, I never. Yeah, they, they, they assign a writer to you, uh, uh, David, but, you know, I, I don't need a writer. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's why I tried to explain it. That's why I tried to explain to that guy, you know, he wanted to know this, that, and the other, and blah, blah, blah. I think everybody's walking on eggshells so much because of Vince McMahon, the way he is, and how meticulous he is with, uh, with the, his company that everybody got to bring something back to him. And like I told uh, our writer, who was the same guy that we had worked with before, uh, but I, like I told him then, brother, you know, with all due respect, I didn't need your help then and I don't need it now. Sure. So but if you want something to go take Vince, I just gave him certain portions of the speech just to take him and make it. So it made him look like he was doing something. Vince wouldn't be pissed off at him, I guess. There you go. So is there, yeah, because apparently something happened at uh, Bret Hart's speech where Bret Hart, well, we know something happened. I'm going <laughs> to ask you about that later, but something else that we didn't know happened where uh, he mentioned Vince McMahon, which is a big no-no uh, and uh, led to uh, one of the writers either being fired or quit. It was one of those, you can't fire me, I quit scenarios, I guess. Were you back there for that? Uh, yeah, I was in the gorilla when all that went down. You're talking about the speech, the spill, or <laughs> which well, one? Well, let's no, let's uh, let's let's take it one at a time. So you were back in Gorilla. So uh, somebody attacked, and I'm watching this on my phone from my hotel room. Right. Uh, right. So uh, the, the wonders of, um, of of technology, and somebody all of a sudden uh, on our end, the screen went blank, and it was apparent that somebody had ran in and, and attacked Brett. I saw Brett this weekend; he's doing great. But um, uh, you know, guy's 70 years old, had a stroke, had cancer. God bless him. And um, uh, I know that uh, that I've heard and I saw uh, videos that um, uh, Travis Brown, Ronda Rousey's husband, UFC fighter, ran mm-hmm. in the ring, and uh, Davy Boy right. Smith's kid, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, and a whole bunch of guys. Uh, what, what was the reaction backstage when all that was going on? Well, the thing was in the gorilla, you know, the we were only could see things from the monitor. Hulk Hogan and I had just. Uh, was talking about something. Then all of a sudden, Hope looked up and said, something's going on. And the, we, I, by the time I looked at the monitor, we couldn't see anything. Just the monitors just at the, uh, the, the video monitors had the, uh, they panned to the crowd. Right. We knew something was going on. Then when I heard somebody call on the radio and said, somebody just jumped into the ring on Brett. So we heard that on someone's radio and they were trying to relay the message to, uh, Vince McMahon at the time. And that's pretty much all we knew until everything was over and done with. The next thing I know, Brett was uh, back up, him and Natty was back up on the podium 
and he continued his speech and I was like, okay, so all the melee, I never got a chance to see until I got back to the hotel and people were showing me what happened on their phones. Ah, I got you. No, I take that, I take that back, I take that back. Uh, After I went back to the dressing room, some guys were showing me on their phones. So it wasn't the hotel, it was in the dressing room. I was I was with your brother this weekend, and uh, he said he predicted it. Is that true? Uh, if he did, he didn't predict it to me. <laughs> he said, "Man, he said he said, uh, he said uh, that he saw that the ring was so close to to the to the fans, and that there was very little security in between them. And he thought to himself, uh, this is a prime uh, opportunity for somebody to jump in the ring.' So uh, he may have, he may have thought that, but." Uh, Verbally, I, I, this is the first I've heard of it. So, so you were backstage. How did the whole thing, without telling too much, uh, I don't. Uh, how, how did the whole thing with the I, 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 you're fired, I quit? How does that go down? I don't know. This is I've heard about this, but I didn't know if it was true or not. Were you when you were back I mean, you when know, you were back there? Was there any? Was there an argument with Vince and one of the writers? Uh, not that I saw. Because you remember, we, I think we went right after Brett, right? Maybe. I think so. Maybe. maybe. I think we went, I think I, we went right after them. So I want to say, I want to say, Tori, already in, I want to say Tori Wilson uh, was between you, but I could be wrong. Okay. You might be right. I can't remember now, but what that, that may have taken place when we were out there performing. I because got I don't remember it. I don't remember it while we were sitting there waiting to go. Now, did I don't it, remember it then. did anybody tell you that you couldn't say Vince McMahon's name? Yes. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So I'm assuming they fed your speech into a teleprompter, or did you actually read it from? I'm not remembering now. Uh, by that, just between you and I, I was about a, a half a pint in by that time. So, uh, uh, so again, it all gets a little foggy. Uh, if I'm being, if I'm being honest. No, dog. No, dog. I'm gonna be honest with you. I didn't even know people were out there using teleprompters. I didn't know that to the show. I didn't know that to the next day. And Scott Hall and I were in catering, and Scott Hall was telling me that. I didn't. I had no idea people had used teleprompters. It was pretty apparent to me that like Brett was using one and Hulk was using one and Brutus was using one. I did. I I, I kind of thought you guys had your own notes. Um, uh, I know you. No, brother. I don't. I don't bring notes to the party. You told well, you had told me the night before a little bit about what you're going to say. You even told me you're going right. to bring up the the Ole Anderson story that we'll get to because right. I got to eat crow on this pod. <laughs> Not only do I got to host myself as a guest on my own podcast, but I got to eat crow to Stevie Ray. I don't know which is worse. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I think uh, interviewing yourself is probably going to be worse. Yeah, that, I, I, that that that's really uh, I, I, I got to hear that myself. Yeah, no, you don't. You really uh, don't. I want to know how much. I want to know how much you're gonna leave out. Oh, I just answered some questions that fans had, and I did tell. I don't know if you were on the plane. I did tell the story about. Were you on the plane when, like, the whole crew and the whole production crew uh, had a? It wasn't a Delta chartered flight back to Atlanta. I think it was Denver or somewhere out west, but it was uh, like eighty percent WCW crew. You must have been there because you were the uh, announcer for Thunder and. Um, and everybody got to the airport early and they were drinking for like two hours at the airport bar. Everybody got hammered and there was all sorts of stuff that went on in that plane. Do you remember that? I don't, I don't think I caught that plane. 
because I, I, I ended up in first class and Scott Steiner didn't. He was in the bulkhead and he tried to convince me to switch with him and I wouldn't. So he basically told me and I'm telling the story again. He basically told me the only way I was going to get out of this situation alive if I didn't switch and, and be, you know, because I hated I hated red eyes. I hated red eyes. And I really didn't want to be in a freaking bulkhead and coach. God bless Scott Steiner. I said, you had plenty of first class fights. So he said, you have to roll me down the airplane bottles of vodka so I could get drunk. And so I did. And so like, this was like, this was like one of those flights where like, you know, you had 80% of the people that were hammered right. and wanted to party. And the other 20% just wanted to sleep because they weren't, they didn't know us. And, uh, <laughs> And 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 I, somebody said something about a stink bomb going off. I don't remember if that's true or not. I know I had nothing to do with no stink bomb. Uh, I was in first class, minding my own business, making sure Scott Steiner got rolled back as many bottles of vodka as they would let me have. I actually, I think I said to the flight attendant, "Do you, do do I look like a nice guy?" And and she said, "Yeah." I said, "I I want you to know I have a wife and two young kids." She said, "Why?" I said, "Because if you don't give me vodka bottles to roll down to that guy, you see that guy sitting there, the big muscular guy." The blonde hair. I'm probably not going to see my kids again. And she was very cool about it. But see, people might enjoy me interviewing myself. You're having a hell of a time listening to the promo. I hope everybody was laughing that much when they were listening to it. But uh, I know that you could you could associate with it more. You've you've been around that merry band of merry band of uh, of, of, of morons, but uh, uh, of indigents. So. Uh, so anyway, when the shit hit the fan and Delta complained to Janie, uh, the only thing that they could remember a name because I was in first class and they had my they took they knew where I was. The only thing they could remember a name that did anything was me with the vodka, even though like I did, like did the, I did the least of anything that anybody else did. The coach was going nuts, man. Uh, I was just upstairs drink, having a couple drinks and, and and looking over my shoulder, making sure Big Papa Pump wasn't on his way up. And um, so so anyway, so I actually almost got fired over that and I, I got suspended for a week without pay uh, oh man! I took the fall. I took the fall for that one because uh, they couldn't remember anybody else had done anything, and they remembered the little the little Jew who's rolling vodka bottles down to the big the big uh, 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 freak as he called himself. And so anyway, we, we we digress. When did you get your? Oh man! When did you get your Hall of Fame? When did you get your Hall of Fame rings? And who? And I'm assuming Vince presented them to you. I know we got them in the back before the show. You know they had a, they have a big ceremony in the back where nobody where nobody uh, can see it's cameras. You know it's got media people in there and this that and the other other different people. And uh, that's where we got uh, plaques and our uh, rings and took a lot of pictures and things of that nature. And uh, that was before the ceremony that night, though not too maybe like an hour before. So maybe like an hour before. So the next day is WrestleMania, and are you in the friends and family section, or are you in a special Hall of Fame section? How how is that? Well, for the family go, we had to come be at the building at nine o'clock that morning for the friends and family stuff, and right? No, Joe. No, just to oh for the, the Hall of Famers talent, talent and everything, because you know we got to walk out and wave, right? And so we had to be there at nine that morning, man. I guess they weren't taking any chances since it was in a stadium, you know. But uh, all my family and friends, uh, they had told us, the handler, 
the guy that was handling us told us that we, we you know, we were the family and friends was going to be in a, a area where they could watch, you know, the WrestleMania, the WrestleMania event from an enclosed area, and what they would have videos and things of that nature. Well, come to find out, they did, and they put them out there in the audience with everybody else. Oh, and they, I called my, I called everybody that was with me and told them to catch an Uber and get the fuck out of there. <laughs> I thought they had a friends. And, I, thought, the I thought they had a friends and family section, like a, a suite. That's what we. That's what. That, that's what we thought too. Maybe they didn't have one. That's this what year. we thought too. And then my, my uh, brother's little kids, you know, and his wife and his mother-in-law and his her sister and all of them, and it was cold out there, so they hadn't really dressed for the occasion because we were told by Ella they was going to have someone. Yeah, I would have never told my friends, and that had flew up from from Houston, and and everybody that was up there with me to even go to the show if I knew they were going to be out in the stadium as cold as it was. Right, right. I would have told them to stay at home. Sure. So and my, I know I know my brother wouldn't have had his wife and kids out there. Sure. Not his little kids, and that's freezing to death. Absolutely. You know. So, oh, they even put Charmel in in uh, in the stadium. Everybody. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, usually they maybe about everybody's family and friend, not oh. just us. Everybody. Oh well, I, I made the right call. Did you go to the after WrestleMania party? Yeah, I went for a few. I went for an hour or so. How was it? It was okay. I had an armband. Okay. By this time, I met my sisters, which is like on, uh, it's like a forty dollar, fifty dollar cab ride for, to Brooklyn at the hotel, uh-huh. and 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 I have a I have an armband that says after party that Dave Finley gave me, so I could go if I want to. And I've never been to right. WrestleMania after party, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm I'm wrestling with it not only because she has two very young kids, so I'm thinking I'm going to spend a mm-hmm. hundred dollars round trip cab fare to go to this after party, which I was cool with that, and then I figure mm-hmm. I'm going to roll in at like three four in the morning. But you know, stumbling uh, and wake up their kids, which is not cool. So uh, and uh, and 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 you know, they're they're my go-to place to stay in New York City for you know to sleep on their couch. So I didn't want to screw that one up. Right. Plus, I had a business meeting that had nothing that absolutely nothing to do with wrestling in Coney Island the next morning, uh-huh. and I didn't want to stumble to that with a hangover. So I decided <laughs> not to go. And I still have the little armband sitting on my desk, kind of staring at me, going, "Hmm, I wonder if I." Should so did I miss anything? What, tell me about the after party. No, I didn't stay the whole night, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, my friend was tired, and we had been having a few drinks before we went down, and she didn't want to go. So I was like, okay, I'm going to just go down, because all my buddies that had flew up, they were down there. You know, hollered them for a little bit, hollered a few of the boys. And um, that was it, man. Then I went back to the room, man, and I was already kind of hammered before that. So... Cause she had already, when she left the stadium, she bought me my favorite drinks and everything. So I would have them before I went to the, uh, to the after party. Matter of fact, I didn't even want to go to the after party, to be honest. If I knew my boys, you know, they wanted to go. Sure. If I knew they wasn't going to be down there, you know, I probably wouldn't even went, man. But I went anyway. And it was cool, man. Got, you know, a bunch of the boys, you know what I'm saying? And stuff like that. And, some of the kids that was down at the NXT and stuff like that. So it was good, you know what I'm saying? And then after about an hour, hour and a half, man, I left and went back to my room now. 
Yeah, so you're still able to like make the right call, and I'm never able to make that call at that time in the morning. So, uh, although right. I did get the hell out of there on Friday night before I got in any trouble, man, those Finleys right. could dr- those Finleys <laughs> could drink, and then Luke, I, I, got, I got Luke Gallows buying me drinks, and I got all these people buying me drinks, and I'm like, uh, it got to be you saw me that night, but uh, yeah, I but uh, we had a good conversation. So, um, did you get to watch any of the WrestleMania matches, and if so, which ones uh, which ones did you like? I watched the ones before I left, but I can't even remember which ones they were. I'm gonna be honest with you about that. I can't. I don't even remember because you know we had a uh, we had a dressing room with a monitor and all that stuff. So I don't remember, man. You have to you have to remind me uh, because as soon as the buses started to leave, I was out of there. I actually didn't watch the whole show. I caught a little bit of um, of the end of it on my phone because uh, I was at my sister's place playing with my niece and nephew, so I didn't even get a chance. Right. Anyway, so uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 weekend, 10 plus? Oh, no, not at all. No? I would, you... a, I would say a 6. A 6? Yeah. I'll, t- I'll take the 6. Yeah, because there were so many things that got messed up, man. So it was like, you know, it wasn't the best weekend of my life by far. But, you know, the honoring was great. I think the I think the best thing for me that whole weekend was going up on stage and doing the uh, accepting the honor of being in the Hall of Fame. Other than that, everything else to me was I could have done without. Yeah, I imagine Saturday's a lot of sitting around and waiting. Yeah. And uh, and Sunday, and and Sunday. Yeah. Well, but you know, I, I'll take the honor and sit around and wait if I ever have the opportunity. Hey, Stevie. Hey, by the way, real quickly, last time you, we were here, I oh, and you did thank Sid Vicious, so you did prove to be the yeah, only. You called me out. You that, called me. You you you. you de- I don't know if that was there. I don't know if you anticipated that. I don't know what. No, no. But I had, I had to do it, man. He no, he deserves it. He he may not deserve to be called out a lot of Hall of Fame speeches, but he deserves to be called out in your, yours. I mean, I was there. He I want to know. I want to know why did you think I was going to be the first person to ever thank him? Well, because there's probably nobody else that, that that deserves to call him out, and he and you did. So this was the one time he deserved to get called out on the Hall of Fame and thanked. In my opinion, I don't know. I, I like Sid. I'm not, I'm not trying to talk crap about Sid. No, no, no. I know, I he, know exactly he, he what did, you're He didn't take a lot of people under his wing, you know, so he took you guys under his wing and really, really helped you guys out. So if anybody would be the one to thank Sid Vicious at a Hall of Fame speech, my thought would be it's you. Nothing against Sid. He just... Uh, yeah, okay. I hear you. But, uh, but you did do it, and uh, so he got his shout-out, and um, and we'll see if that ever happens again, but at least it happened once. I never got his shout-out. <laughs> hey, so anyway... Anyway, speaking of Sid, so last time uh, I, I mentioned to you that uh, you had said that Sid saved your job in WCW after the whole cluster muck of the of the, the change. No, you said that. Yeah, I said that. I said that that, that 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 Sid saved your job, and that that's what Robert Fuller said. And you you, you took umbrage with that, so I said I was going to go back and I was going to listen to the first podcast we did, and I was going to c- come back, get back with you, and uh, and right. I'm, a, I'm a man of my word, even when I'm not right. Yeah, sure and, you are. And, and you did, funny thing, you started talking about being called into a meeting uh, that mm. next morning, and we right. we went off topic. We went we went to a totally different topic and never went back, and that, I, that's probably my bad. That was, uh, uh, should have followed up with that. So since we got you here, uh, 
what happened in that meeting? What did you did you hear me chronicle everything at the Hall of Fame? Well, you didn't give specifics. You just said that only gave you. Yes, I did. Like I said, I was about to pine in. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I chronicled the whole thing. I said after the fact that me and my brother was feeling, you know, good about ourselves because of our tryout match, and as soon as the match was over, Ole Anderson walked up to us and said, "Okay, I see you guys can work, but now can you draw money?" So we're feeling good about ourselves. The next morning, we get called into a meeting with Ole Anderson. And Ole Anderson set us down, and we're thinking he's going to expound on telling us what he did the night before, and he said just the opposite. Well, guys, after what happened last night, they want me to send your asses back to Texas. And me and my brother looked at each other like, and I, I put the little uh, piece in there where my brother said, well, it was over. It's over before it started. That's right. That's right. But you, I don't think you ever said how you got how how he how he kept John is the one part that I was anxious for. No, he, and the thing is, he said, "But uh, I'm going. I'm not going to do it, and I'm going to take a chance on you guys because I think you guys can make money for me. You don't you, let me down. You might have benefited from the same thing that I benefited uh, at one point in my career, which is just people so pissed at their the the, the Turner higher ups. They wanted to. They, they, <laughs> They talk, do, you, uh, do you remember? Uh, I think you might. I think you might be right. Do, do you remember about that? Do you remember? Uh, this isn't my story, but do you remember um, Johnny Grunge and Teddy Petty took the production van at Disney one time at the hotel? I heard about that. I never saw it, but I heard about it. Yeah, I heard about them doing that. Did you have something to do with that? No, 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 no. No, I have a different story. This mine and more is oh. about mine is about a raise that 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 I was promised, and Nick Lambros uh, didn't want to give me a promised raise, and later found out that Eric overruled him just to piss Nick off. Uh, that's my story. But uh, so I got a, a decent raise that I was owed anyway, just because Eric wanted to piss Nick off. But uh, I actually asked Eric about the whole band thing, and he he vaguely recalled it. But at the time, he vaguely said he thought uh, my story sounded pretty right that um that those guys took the van god i wish those guys were still around to have on this podcast the stories they could tell uh and they're uh, teddy petty was such a good storyteller and grunge just laughs the whole time uh but uh but but uh so they stole the van and then they brought eventually brought it back. Uh, I don't think I don't maybe got pulled over by the cops. I don't remember the specifics. And uh, <laughs> Bill DeMott would remember the specifics. And I think Bill might actually told that story on the podcast. That was over a year ago. Um, but uh, but so uh, the VP of production was David Crockett and David Crockett told him that he was going to that they were fired. And so I guess Eric the next morning Heard what happened, you know, public enemy being public enemy, wasn't happy about it, but he his thought process was, Eric, David Crockett doesn't fire talent, I fire talent. David Crockett fires production people. So, so, so he, just to piss David Crockett off to show him who was the boss, he didn't fire public enemy. So wow. you didn't get fired because Ole wanted to piss off uh, somebody. I got my raise because Bischoff wanted to piss off Lambros. And Gr- Johnny Grunge and uh, Ted Petty, public enemy, didn't get fired because Bischoff wanted to piss off uh, David Crockett. Got to love this business. Hey, c- congratulations again. I was glad I got to see you that weekend. And um, and uh, one of the more fun guests on this podcast. And I uh, always have a blast. So uh, stay in touch, please. Well, I will, man. I appreciate you uh, bringing me back on. Uh, 
Uh, I'll be in, uh, I guess you'll be in StarCast, right? I don't know yet. I don't think so, actually. I'm not sure, but I don't think so. Well, not- if I had known you wasn't going to be there, I would have made sure you were there. Well, you because can say- I, I, Stevie Ray, is doing the first ever live cast. Plans to be able to watch is going to be a live, is what I'd call a live version of a podcast. Which is what they call a panel these days, which is the same thing. No, not, not with my show. No? My show is going to be about my guests. I got a guest. Me and my guy, I'll put it like this. Let's say if you and I hosted a podcast together, okay? Yeah. That's what I'm doing with my co-host on uh, Stand Up For Greatness. He and I are doing the podcast together. Our guest on the podcast is going to be Ernest Cat Miller. And me. Okay. And then... And then, <laughs> Ernest is the main guest. He's going to be the guest for the whole show. Like Does me. That make sense? Like me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You got into Ernest and Cat Miller food? I interviewed him on my, uh, on my podcast. It was great. It actually, went, it? it actually went viral. Do I have any Ernest and Cat Miller what? I missed I miss what you said. Stor- stories. Uh, you know, just like if I was having, let's say if I was having... Uh, you as the guest on my live cast. Yeah. And I, then I would have Scott, yeah. let's say if I had Scott Steiner there yeah. to talk about an incident he had with you <laughs> that got you suspended for, that got you suspended for a week. Now you see what I'm saying? I got you. Um, then I would bring somebody else out after him that went through some stuff with you. Yeah. Then I would bring somebody else out with you that went through some, you see what I'm saying now? No, All no. these people are coming out. I, they're I, telling me stories about you that I was asking you about, but you tried to hide the truth. But I brought people out to really tell me the truth. I, I, under, the I understand 100% what you're saying. And as you're talking, I'm trying to think of something that could get me a booking. And I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't have any stories. So, I don't, I, you know, look, I'd love to come out to Vegas and see everybody. I'm not going to lie. Uh, regardless, thank you for hopping on again. Always fun to talk to and uh, I'm sure we'll have you on here sooner than later just to chat about something that's going on in the wrestling business. That'll work, bro. All right. Take care. Congratulations again, my friend. Appreciate it, man. Take care. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good times with Stevie Ray as always. Uh, you know, as you keep as you start doing this, you, you find people that you really have great chemistry with that uh, that you get along with. And Kevin Sullivan's one of those guys, and JJ uh, Dillon's one of those guys, and I'd say Stevie Ray's for sure one of those guys. And um, uh, thank I want to thank him for his time. This is his first podcast, uh, or first interview after the Hall of Fame, giving a little bit of background into what went down that night and the next day at WrestleMania and the whole weekend. So. Uh, very cool and appreciate his time and we set the record straight on Ole Anderson and, and what he did and had some fun in the process which is what we like to do tell stories have fun and uh, I'm really excited I'm still bowed up even though we had to uh, pull one out of our you know what this week I'm still bowed up that uh, that we have a lot of great guests over the next three to six months that uh, have committed to doing this podcast and we're just going to work around their schedules and hope that I remember what time zone they're in and it all works out. If not, if I keep forgetting time zones, then um, my uh, boss man here is probably going to say adios to you. Uh, So uh, anyway, uh, 
want you to be sure to join us next week and we're going to have another great guest hoping to get road warrior animal back on we're trying to make it happen he will be on sooner than later i will tell you that uh he's excited about doing it we're excited about having him scheduling is always difficult uh because people have lives so but he will be on sooner than later and if you haven't already sent in a question that you have on twitter for road warrior animal be sure to hit me up at david penzer or at Penzer ringside uh we did send out one uh before uh the whole thing didn't work out uh this week we did send out for some questions and we're going to save those and ask those questions but if you haven't if you didn't get a chance to send in a question be sure to do that we will have him either next week or in the weeks to come and um i want to thank uh joe laurinitis road warrior animal really went out of his way to try to make his schedule work for me this week and uh just didn't happen uh but i want to thank him for uh one of the nice guys in the business and really trying to make it work uh, under some complicated circumstances. So thank you, Joe, and hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Um, you know, that was kind of fun. Uh, Stevie Ray got a kick out of the uh, Scott Steiner airplane story, so I hope you enjoyed some of that. Uh, it doesn't have to be a one-time thing. If you uh, have any questions that you want me to answer, any any thoughts, uh, anything insight into, you know, the final days of WCW. How about the beginning of WCW, the first Nitro? Uh, be sure to hit me up on Twitter, and uh, we'll take a few minutes to answer your questions uh, uh, and, and, and try to make this as interactive as possible, because that's what the internet and Twitter and social media is for, because I don't see it doing much good if, with anything else, so I, if that's the good it could do and uh, make it interactive, then, uh, then God bless. So until next week, thank you for my guests, David Penzer and Stevie Ray. I am David Penzer, City Ringside. See you next week. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.